The following audio is from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Axe is available at axechurchleander.com. Ruth chapter 1 verse 1. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, his wife's name was Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and, when she, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about ten years, both Malon and Kilion also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your own mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they wept aloud and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, And even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord's hand has turned against me. At this they wept aloud. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them, and the women exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. And this is the end of the word of our God. Good morning, y'all. I ask you guys to pray with me. Heavenly Father, Lord, we pray that as we encounter your story through Ruth, Lord, that we find our own stories in the narrative that you have given us in Scripture. Lord, that we come a little bit closer to who you would have us be Lord, that you would draw us together as a community. We say this all in your son's precious name. Amen. It's scary how much the internet knows about us, isn't it? Like, have you ever looked up a vacuum, and then for the next five weeks, every Facebook ad is that same vacuum over and over and over again? Like, outside of my wife, 
probably Google and Amazon have a better understanding of who I am as a person than anyone else, right? However, sometimes it gets it a little bit off. I actually, for about three months, was getting advertisements for 65-plus women's workout videos over and over and over. Like, I don't know what I searched to find this thing to get it slotted into that, but eventually I found out that there is typically on ads a button that says, is this ad relevant to you? And you can say no. No, it is not. Uh, in fact, I wish there was like an exclamation point. No, this is not it. So I kept saying no, and eventually it started giving me ads that at least were relatable, right? So typically for me now, I get trailers that have explosions or dragons or some kind of gunfight, and I'm like, all right, if I have to watch advertising, you're at least getting the right demographic at this point. However, what Google hasn't figured out is my little secret that as much as I love action adventures, as much as I love explosions, I've got a little bit of heart for rom-coms too. Now, it only comes about once a year where I really want to do a full-on rom-com. But even in my action adventures, I kind of like it when there's the guy and the girl and the will they or won't they thing. Uh, my wife and I are rewatching Chuck for her second time, my like 52nd time. And as much fun as that show is about spies and people shooting each other, there's this really nice relationship dynamic. And I get drawn into that. And the reason why I bring that up is because as we study Ruth, we're going to spend four weeks, chapter by chapter, we're going to go through this entire story, this entire book of the Bible, most theologians, myself included, would consider Ruth the Cinderella story of the Old Testament. It's a story about love. It's a story about a relationship. But for me, the reason why it connects as closely as it does is because it is a beautifully, wonderfully, messy, broken story. And that kind of reflects my life. Beautiful, messy, broken. And unlike other parts of Scripture, where God does these supernatural miracles within the story, parting the Red Seas, raising the dead, defeating mighty armies, the story of Ruth doesn't have any of that. In fact, what we see is God works in ordinary ways, in the lives of ordinary but broken people, and through that, he starts to do something extraordinary. And that's the story that we're going to find in Ruth. However, before we get to that story, I've got to do a little bit of history lessons for you because Ruth happens during the time of Judges. Judges is another part of the Bible. It's a historical book of the Bible. And in Judges, Israel has gotten into a cycle. And I kind of want to explain what this cycle is to you. And I was trying to figure out what's the best way to do that. And I decided Bitmoji. So we're going to walk through the Old Testament according to Bitmoji. All right? So first and foremost, people would cry out to God right? They would need help. So this comes from uh, Exodus. It says, during that long period, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out. And because of their cry for help, and because of their slavery, uh, their cry went up to God. God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites, and he was concerned about them. It starts off that in times of the Old Testament, and this comes in a cycle his people are in danger. His people need help. And so they cry out to God. And what's great is that the story doesn't just end with us crying out to God and God not answering. No. God shows up. Right? So this is Exodus 3. Then the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And I am concerned about their suffering. 
So I have come down to rescue them from the hands of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. People cry out to God and God hears them. He answers their cry. He rescues them. And then, for a little bit, things are going great, right? So now we're into Judges. The people who served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and the elders who had outlived him and who had seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. For a while, people remember what God had done for them. Things are going well. But then we start to forget. Everybody starts to forget. And when we start to forget, we get a little arrogant, all right? After that, the whole generation that had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. They forsook the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshipped various gods of the peoples around them. Eventually what would happen is they would still know who God was, but they would start trusting in other gods as well. So the Baals, the gods of harvest, or the gods of the sun, or the gods of rain. And so they kind of had this God and every other God mentality. But the problem is, when we start to trust in other gods, other than the one true God, things very rarely end well. In fact, they always end kind of like this. All right? In his anger against Israel, the Lord gave them into the hands of raiders and plundered them. He sold them into the hands of their enemies all around them, who they were no longer able to resist. Whenever Israel went out to fight, the hand of the Lord was against them to defeat them, just as he sworn to them he would. They were in great distress. One of the common ways that scripture talks about God interacting with his people is he gives them over. And what does he give them over to? Well, what they asked for. They wanted to do life on their terms. They didn't want to do life on God's terms. They wanted to trust in other idols, other gods, whether it was money or their family or their status, things they thought would protect them. But those gods can't protect them. And so when distress would come, when living in a broken world, brokenness invaded, they didn't have God with them anymore. And then they would cry out. Then the Lord raised up judges who saved them out of the hands of those who plundered them. Yet they did not listen to the judges, for they whored after other gods and bowed to them. They soon turned aside from the way in which their fathers had walked who had obeyed the commandments of the Lord and did not do so. Whenever the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge, and he saved them from the hands of enemies all the days of the judge. For the Lord was moved to pity by their groaning because of those afflicted and, uh, who oppressed them. But whenever the judge died, they turned back and were more corrupt than their fathers, going after other gods, serving them and bowing to them. They did not drop any of their practices or their stubborn ways. And the cycle happens again, and again, and again. We cry out for help. God saves us. Woo! We get arrogant. Things end poorly. We cry out for help. And again, and again, and again. You go through the entire book of Judges, and that's what's happening. God rescues his people. His people are okay for a bit, but then they forget about him. They do life on their own terms. Chaos comes in, and then they have to cry out again. That's where Ruth starts off. Ruth 1, 
in the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. Right there. They had turned from God. They were trusting in other gods, and so this famine comes. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and his two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimech. His wife's name was Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malhon and Kilion. They were Ephrites from Bethlehem, Judea, and they went to Moab and lived there. Now, Emelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. Now, they married Moabite women, one named Ophrah and the other named Ruth. After they had lived there about ten years, both of her sons, Melah and Kilon, also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. Brokenness comes into the story. Hurt comes into the story. So there's a famine in Israel. Now the people's promise, God's promise, rested with the land of Israel. He said, if you stay there, I will protect you. But things got hard, and so their own best thinking thought, you know what? Let's move. Let's migrate. And while migrating wasn't illegal, it was immoral. Because they were supposed to stay in Israel. So they leave, but then they do something that's actually illegal. Deuteronomy says, Furthermore, you shall not intermarry with them, those other countries that are around you. You shall not give your daughters to their sons, nor shall you take their daughters for your sons, for they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. This was a theocracy. Religious law was legal law. And it wasn't that God was racist. It wasn't that God didn't love the other nations, but what would happen when two people got married is they would bring their own gods into the house. And so Yahweh followers, the Old Testament followers, they would bring in Yahweh, they would bring in the Old Testament, their God, but then their wives or their husbands, they would bring in all of their gods. And so you would kind of have this joint custody thing going on, right? And you might need rain, and so you might pray to this God, and you might need sun, so you might pray to this God, and the men and women of Israel would then pray to theirs. And God said, no, there is one God. It is me, and I need you to trust me. And so because of that, he said, do not intermarry. It's going to end poorly for you. So what we end up happening is an immoral migration, an illegal marriage, and then a whole lot of pain. Because Naomi ends up in the wrong country. Her husband's dead. Her sons are dead. And in Old Testament times, your legal status went through your husband and your sons. Men were the only ones who could own property. And this wasn't just in Israel. This was across the world, right? They were the only ones who had legal rights. And so when Naomi loses her husband and her sons, she's done. She has nothing left. She has no protection left. She's broken. And for me... I've experienced that before in my own life, where my own best thinking got me into the worst trouble. Or, maybe it wasn't my mistake, but because we live in a sinful, broken world, things like cancer show up, or things like divorce show up, or things like the chaos of the world show up, And all of a sudden, I understand Naomi really, really clearly. And she's talking to her daughters-in-laws, and she realizes Naomi's too old to get married again. So she tries to protect her daughter-in-laws, and she says, Look, 
When Naomi heard in Moab, uh, Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, right? So it, the story has switched. They've cried out for help, and now God's rescuing his people. Naomi decides to go back. She and her daughters-in-law prepared to return from there. When her two daughters-in-law, uh, she left the place where they had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judea. Judah, sorry. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown me kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them and said goodbye, and they wept aloud and said to her, We will not go back to you. We will go back with you to you and your people. Now, one of the daughters doesn't, but Ruth replied, Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you will go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your God will be my God, and your, your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Ruth's brokenness tried to drive people away. I don't know where you are right now. I don't know what's happening in your life, but I do know this. What sin does better than anything else is it separates you from God and it separates you from his people. What sin does best is it tries to tear apart relationships. We see this in the Garden of Eden, right? Sin comes in and all of a sudden, no, we no longer dwell with God. All of a sudden, Adam and Eve are at each other's throats. Cain kills Abel. Brokenness comes into the story. Naomi's not just her sin, but the brokenness of the world tried to drive people away. And yet what we find is that God's plan, God's story, God's intent is always to bring us back together again. It's hard because sin, that infection, we think, no, I, I, people can't know where I'm at. People can't know that I'm hurting People aren't allowed. When I come into this building on Sunday morning, I better have my life together, at least for an hour and a half. I have to be able to play pretend. And yet what we find in Scripture is, no, God does not want us to pray pretend. This is what Naomi says when she gets back. Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? That meant pleasant. The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. You know what this says? It's okay not to be okay. In the church, within the family of God, it's okay not to be okay. God doesn't want us to have to play pretend. Naomi doesn't have to play pretend. She's hurting. She's lost her husband. She's lost her sons. She has no status. She comes back to her community. She comes back to the community God had given her, Israel. And she's just honest. I'm bitter. I'm hurting. And yet what we find in this story is that that hurt, that bitterness doesn't drive people away. Because while humanity had a cycle in the Old Testament, God had a cycle in the Old Testament as well. God has a cycle in the New Testament. He rescues us. 
He starts rebuilding the world. And then we push him away. Like children who don't want to listen to their parents. Like a spouse who doesn't want to remain faithful to their spouse. We're like, no, God, we got this. And we walk away. But us walking away does not stop God from moving. Romans tells us that while we were still sinners, while we were still in rebellion, Christ dies for us. God will go to any length to have a relationship with you. And our hurt, our pain, our suffering does not separate us from him, and he does not want it to separate us from each other. And so when we're in that pain, God wants us to be real. He wants us to be a community that allows people to be real. But then he wants us to trust in his promise because the story doesn't end with Naomi just saying, I'm bitter. No. So Naomi returned from Moab accompanied by Ruth, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. Ruth returns to the promise. The good news, the gospel, was that God would rescue them. And so she returns to where she knows the promise is. Israel, where God dwells. In the New Testament, we return to the promise, Christ, that he's not done yet. The family of God is here for us, that we don't have to be alone, that while sin is going to try to rip us apart, God's grace, God's love, God's power is going to bring us together. Church, we are not alone. We're not perfect. We're hurting. We're broken. And that's okay. This is a place for broken, hurting people who have gotten trapped into that cycle. Maybe we're under the full weight of the brokenness of the world. And yet we have a God who says, you're not alone. I have a plan. And God doesn't waste experiences, even the hard ones. In the coming weeks, we're going to see how God redeems this story. How through ordinary people, through ordinary circumstances, God is going to do something extraordinary. Church, brothers and sisters, through ordinary people, through ordinary experiences, God wants to do something extraordinary through you. He is redeeming this world. He is mending the brokenness. You are loved. We have family. Amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you in different places of that cycle. Uh, some of us are crying out for help. Lord, uh, the world is a weight on us at the moment. Lord, the full effects of sin are here. Lord, for those of us crying out for help, we boldly ask that you show up. And we boldly ask that you bring community to be around us. Lord, some of us are coming out of that season. We're in a season of celebration. Lord, that you have rescued us. You have redeemed us. And we pray in that situation that we do not forget that you are the one who is constantly rescuing us and bringing us into community. Lord, whatever part of the cycle we are on, Lord, we come before you now in humble repentance and thankfulness. Lord, we come before you as your children and we pray for you to show up. Lord, we say this all in your son's precious name. Amen.
Thank you for listening to this podcast from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at axechurchleander.com.